Welcome to a podcast of a sermon delivered at the Unitarian Society of Ridgewood in New Jersey. Our congregation is a place where you will find inspiration in the richness of diverse beliefs and the power of community. Detailed information about the Unitarian Society of Ridgewood is available on our website, uuridgewood.org. And now if you'll please join in the words for lighting our chalice, they're printed in your order of service and projected. We light this chalice. And now I'm going to ask you to take a deep breath in. The air outside is cold. When we breathe it in deeply, we can feel its icy reach. But here within these walls, there is warmth to be found. Here you can breathe deeply. You can rest easy. Here you can be yourself as you are in this moment. Take a deep breath in. And listen to this sound as it rings out. Let it call to those deep places inside you that long for justice and mercy and peace, that long for compassion, gentleness, and love. Hear, too, in the sound the world's cry of longing for you, your honesty, your truth, the best of who you are. Breathe deeply and listen. So we continue this morning with our Senses series. We've gone through hearing, seeing, and touch. And as you might guess, next week we'll be talking about taste when we gather for our annual Thanksgiving service and after our annual first annual Thanksgiving potluck. Please plan to attend that. So it's next Sunday after the service. We're having a special potluck. It's going to be a lot of fun. So if you gave it any thought, perhaps you guessed that today we would be talking about smell. And I kind of thought we would be, but as you might imagine, smell is a bit tricky to preach about. You'll find that the music Ron has so skillfully selected does address smell, so we got it in there in that way. But instead of focusing on that classic fifth sense this morning, we're going to be talking about something called proprioception. I only learned what this was a few months ago when a doctor friend of mine mentioned it. And then I was reminded by a member of the Sunday Services Committee in a conversation about this census series. And I was grateful for that reminder because it works so well with what we're talking about today. So does anybody know this word, proprioception? Okay, some of you. It's sometimes referred to as the sixth sense, and it's essentially all about how we locate ourselves in space. So the first dictionary definition that pops up on Google reads, perception or awareness of the position and movement of the body. Wikipedia offers that it is the sense of self-movement, of self-movement and body position. So it's a subtle sense, one that we barely even realize we are using or that we have, but it's the sense that guides our understanding of our bodies in space. 
It's what lets us know where our limbs are at any given moment. So we're going to try a very quick experiment. If you feel comfortable, close your eyes for a second. And now, without opening your eyes, touch your nose. Okay. That's proprioception, right? Without watching where your arm was going or your hand was going, you were able to find your nose because you have this sense of where your arms and your body are in space, even if you can't see them. And because our bodies don't exist in a vacuum, but in and amongst other bodies and objects, we can say that proprioception doesn't only help us understand where we are in space. It has a relational element because it helps us know where our arm is in relation to other things in space. Our proprioceptive sense enables us to grasp where we are and where we're going and how that relates to where other things are and where other things are going. Here at the Unitarian Society of Ridgewood, some of us have begun to speak thanks to the wisdom of a member of the Committee on Shared Ministry. We've begun to speak of a time of renewal. And that time of renewal goes beyond the amazing building campaign that we undertook this past few months. You can already see signs of the renewal of our physical space over in Reeb. There's a new roof. If you didn't notice, you should look at it. It looks great. There'll be other physical plant updates. An accessible ramp into Anderson is coming. But there's more than just the renewal of our buildings and grounds afoot. The Committee on Shared Ministry unveiled its model of healthy communication and announced their upcoming look at our shared covenant. That's a form of renewal of our community health and commitment. And today, I'll be sharing more with you about the new organizational model for our community, the one you've been hearing about in eBlasts. And that itself is a renewal of our community, a renewal of our desire to work in specific ways with specific values and goals in mind. And all of this, our physical space, our communication, our models of organizing, all of these are about how we are together, who we are together. It's about how we locate ourselves as individuals, but also as a community. It's about who we want to be and where we want to go. And I like to think that we've been using that proprioceptive sense, our collective one, to understand our shared community's movement in space. And now we're making choices about how we want to move that collective body, where we want it to go, what's going to optimize the mission and goals of this community. So this morning I'll be talking about the model for organizing our work, but it's really about so much more than a model. It's about who we are and who we want to be. It's about how we are going to reach our highest aspirations. It's about building a truly beloved and welcoming community. It's about trust and faith and freedom and justice and growing through hard changes. This is about the renewal of all that is best in us. It's about hearing the call of the world's deep longing for the best of what we have to give and answering it with a resounding yes. This is about creating a circle of welcome, a circle without end, and inviting all to come inside and do the work of transforming the world. So I welcome you this morning as we explore what it means to move into our shared future. And this morning I'll invite you into guided meditation. Take a deep breath and imagine a pinwheel, small or big. 
Imagine all the different fins on your pinwheel. Whatever color, picture it first motionless. Still, trace the lines of the fins, each one individual, and keep breathing, inhaling deeply and exhaling slowly. Now imagine that on your next breath, the air coming from your body begins to move those fins. Just a little at first, your pinwheel starts to spin around and around. You can still see each part as it moves around its fixed center. Ground yourself in that fixed center. Take a deep breath. Now imagine that your pinwheel begins to speed up until you can't tell one fin from another. There are no more distinct parts, just a singular whole. Keep breathing. As the breath moves out of your body, imagine that pinwheel carrying away from you all the sorrow and fear. As you breathe in, take in all the joy and love that a pinwheel can bring. Breathing out fear and breathing in love, helping you find a place of joy and peace. As we come into silence, keep breathing. In each moment of our lives, we carry an awareness of the smaller parts and the larger whole. Our individual lives participate in a greater human existence. We are fins on a pinwheel, some days moving fast and some days slow, sometimes forgetful that we contribute to a vast greater wholeness, sometimes aware that we belong to a unity beyond our comprehension. At whatever speed we find ourselves moving, may we ever breathe out fear and breathe in love. So may it be. I want to open with a reading from our hymnal. The words are by Heraclitus of Ephesus, who lived about 2,500 years ago. And he wrote, Whosoever wishes to know about the world must learn about it in its particular details. Knowledge is not intelligence. In searching for the truth, be ready for the unexpected. Change alone is unchanging. The same road goes both up and down. The beginning of a circle is also its end. Not I, but the world says, all is one, and yet everything comes in season. Change alone is unchanging, and everything comes in season. Those bits of wisdom recur throughout human history. We find them even earlier than Heraclitus in scripture. We find them in pop culture. I'm guessing some of you will have the birds stuck in your head for the rest of the day. There are so many aphorisms that we can recite. Nothing stays the same forever. All good things come to an end. One door closes and another door opens. Every ending is a new beginning. To everything there is a season. I could keep going. 
We know that change can be hard, but we also really do recognize its inevitability. And we have so many different ways that we express that truth. We also know that although it is hard, its inevitability means that we tend to come back around and around, passing over roads we once knew. Everything old becomes new again. The same road goes up and down. All is one, and yet everything comes in season. I asked you earlier to meditate on the pinwheel. Claude, can you? Thank you. I love the giant ones that we have adorning our space this morning, and my gratitude goes to the group of folks who helped make these. For me, a pinwheel captures so much. It's playful, right? Whimsical, yet really simple. Pinwheels offer a beautiful and fun expression of how parts make a whole how pieces fit together to create something that is more than just the sum of those parts. In the case of our pinwheels here this morning, six fins, when they spin, create a singular circle. Each fin doing its work to be part of something larger, joined at the center but also independent, each fin as necessary as the next. If you took one out, it wouldn't spin anymore. And pinwheels are, despite their whimsicality, also strong. When the wind blows, a pinwheel spins with it, harnesses the power to move, to achieve its purpose. It doesn't break, it's nimble. It moves, it creates something new out of itself. I really love pinwheels. And if you spend any time in the company of children, you know that children love them too. There's something seemingly magical about them. There is a colorfulness and an action. Can you go back? I don't want that one yet. (laughs) Thank you. Pinwheels capture, for me, some of what Paula Cole Jones was getting at in our reading this morning with the concept of community of communities. She recognizes in her work that we have this notion of a congregation as a family. You've heard that before, right? Congregation as a family. You may have even heard me say it, right? She recognizes that pervasive and often even implicit notion we hold, and she suggests that it is by far too limiting. I had the occasion to be in Paula Cole Jones' presence recently at an anti-racism conference at the UU Congregation in Manhasset, New York, and I'm inclined to agree with her assessment that the family metaphor shrinks us, as she puts it, rather than emboldening and enlivening and expanding us. In a family, she writes, everyone knows who's in charge, who gets to come in and who has to be kept out, who gets to make decisions, who gets to know what information, who we should avoid altogether. A family, while a useful sociological unit for humanity, is too limiting for the work of a congregation, especially a congregation in a denomination that seeks actively to be inclusive and justice-making and welcoming and open. Instead, she recommends this idea of a a community of communities. In the talk that I quoted from, Jones is articulating a vision of multiculturalism that says, essentially, all of us exist in communities of identity, and that's a good thing, and that to honor that in a congregation is to honor the truth of our living, and that that's then a sign of real inclusivity and diversity. When we're given the opportunity to identify with and work in smaller communities within our larger community, 
She says, we find a deeper sense of belonging, a way to connect and feel purpose within an empowering system. Changing our metaphor from a family to a community of communities, she writes, offers the individual a sense of connection that ends up centering the community and its well-being. But it does this not because the individual is unimportant or disposable, but because the system recognizes that the individual's well-being is absolutely and forever tied to the well-being of the community. It's a metaphor that better captures our belief that we all have a place in Unitarian Universalism, that it is indeed universal. Every single one of us belongs in community. We are human. And our communities exist inside other communities, and taken all together, our communities create something bigger and greater. The new metaphor, she writes, says that there's no shame, only energy, to be found in understanding ourselves not as one single family, with all the implicit and explicit rules and boundaries and folkways, but as a community comprised of smaller communities that share a common purpose and that come together to work for a vision of what is possible. When I first came to this congregation as the minister, I was aware that the organizational model was already being discussed and that a reconsideration was on its way. Many had worked on the organizational model that was here when I arrived, and it had served a purpose in its time. It had been an improvement over the one before, and that one had been an improvement over the one before it. But over time, the model had become somewhat difficult to comprehend, somewhat restrictive in its specificity. And so there was, already when I arrived, a commitment among your leadership to develop the next stage of our self-description. So as you hopefully read in the e-blast over the last month or so, the board and various other groups have spent a lot of time over the last couple of years envisioning what might be possible as we thought about creating a model of organization here at the Unitarian Society of Ridgewood, a model that emboldens lay leadership, revitalizes widespread volunteerism, democratizes decision-making as much as possible, and better articulates our vision of the world we want to live in. We moved through many stages of thinking about this. We read other people's wisdom. We charted all the activities and work of this congregation. We thought about the challenges we face and the hopes we have for our future. We considered the legal and financial imperatives of a religious institution. We considered where this body currently is in time and space and where we want it to go based on our shared mission and vision. And this is where we landed. Okay, now you get to look at this one. So this pinwheel is the new articulation of our work here at the Unitarian Society of Ridgewood. It is our new structural model. There are six fins, each a different color, just like our pinwheel here, each with a name and a description that captures a broad area of work or what we might call a broad area of ministry here at our congregation. They come together at the center, and that is where you find our mission and our covenant. The center that holds us, holds us as a community of communities, is our covenant. And the center that guides us as we do our work is the mission that we share. The pinwheel speaks to Joan's metaphor of communities within a community. It highlights the idea that all the different work that happens here is integral to pursuing our mission. 
So I want to take you through each of the fins this morning and then talk to you a little bit about how they're going to work, how they're going to come together. And I know, and I'm sure you know, that one sermon isn't sufficient to explain all the intricacies of this system. So please know that there are going to be plenty of opportunities to learn and understand and ask questions. But this morning, we really wanted to share this next big step in our collective renewal. So the first fin, Claude, can you give me the first, is the welcoming and participation circle. This circle increases internally and externally awareness of what USR has to offer, helps visitors learn about and participate at USR, and shepherds people as they become fully integrated members. So this is the circle that welcomes new folks, offers leadership training, helps people find their place as volunteers here in this community of communities. The next, in orange, is the Congregational Connection Circle. This group fosters a sense of community and care within the walls of USR, helping congregants connect to each other and access the support they need. So this is the circle that writes cards to congregants in times of joy or stress provides meals, does pastoral care, hosts potlucks, other events designed to increase a sense of fellowship and community. The next, in yellow, is the spiritual development circle. This group creates on Sundays and throughout the week opportunities for congregants and friends to deepen their spiritual development through worship, arts, music, and religious education for all ages. This is the circle that speaks to that part of our mission that's about growth of mind and spirit. So this is book groups, lectures, Sunday morning services, art shows, choir, and so much more. The fourth fin in green is the wider world circle. This is the circle that reaches beyond the walls of USR to work for and advocate for social justice causes to strengthen relationships with other religious and justice organizations, and to connect to the larger world of Unitarian Universalism. This group does the work of justice-making and relationship-building outside our walls, with interfaith groups and with denominational work within Unitarian Universalism. The next one, in blue, is the Asset Management Circle, This group maintains the strength of the finances, oversees the upkeep of the facilities and grounds, and increases congregational stability through coordinated fundraising efforts. This is the group that raises money, manages our physical and financial assets, ensures that logistically we can continue to pursue our collective mission. We're going to stay here for a minute because these first five circles will be comprised of any and every member and friend of the Unitarian Society of Ridgewood who is interested in the work of that circle. We truly believe that every single person in our wider community can find a place in one of these circles, that each of us can self-select into the fin that best fits not only our talents and our gifts, but also our passions and our purpose the reason we participate here at all. And I suspect that maybe as I read them or as you go on to read them more carefully, you will find yourself saying, yeah, that's definitely the one that I fit into, right? Or no, that one's definitely not where I want to go. We believe that everyone will find at least one, if not more, circles that speak to them 
and that this will make participation so much easier for many of us who might struggle to find where we fit in our current system. So the way this will work is that there'll be meetings of each circle each year. Anyone and everyone interested in that category of work can attend, and together those people will decide amongst themselves what the vital work of their circle is, meaning what is the work that achieves the mission of that particular circle while also serving the larger mission of the Unitarian Society of Ridgewood to grow in mind and spirit, to act with love for justice, and to transform the world. And they'll do that while also asking, what is the work that we, the people who are going to have to do it, actually have the will to do? Because the heart of a congregation is its people, and the work of a congregation is the work of its people. Each of these circles will have a trained facilitator who serves three years and who will help with information sharing and organizational efforts and who will be the point person for those interested in a particular circle, but whose primary work will be to facilitate the circle's self-determination. The facilitator will also help with troubleshooting, but these circles are going to work primarily through mutual accountability within the circle and among the circles. This model relies on the people, the congregation, actually doing the work to determine what work is necessary and desired and what work fits our mission. This model relies on the people, you, (laughs) actually doing the work to keep each other within covenant and to reach out beyond your community into the larger community for help when it's needed. The facilitators are not gatekeepers or decision makers or chairs or presidents. They're facilitators. The final fin, Claude, can you, thanks. The final fin is the governance and well-being circle. This circle serves the vital functions of governance, policy, budget, safety, and congregational assessment as required by the bylaws in order to maintain the health of the organization, the safety of the membership, and the well-being of the mission and covenant. This circle is unique in that it is made up of three standing entities, the Board of Trustees, the Safe Congregation Response Team, and the Committee on Shared Ministry. Claude, can you? Thanks. Each of these three entities has a distinct role to play in ensuring the well-being of our community. The board has an overarching responsibility to ensure that we are in compliance with our bylaws and policies, that we're managing our finances and our budget, and that we're continuing to be viable into the future. But the board also does the work of stepping back from operations and setting long-term and strategic goals, visionary ways forward. The Safe Congregation Response Team monitors, assesses, and works to improve the physical safety of USR congregants and visitors, working particularly on preventing sexual abuse of children and youth. That's the group that helps ensure that all of us are safe, and that when something does go wrong, we follow the best practices in addressing it. The Committee on Shared Ministry facilitates communication among congregants in order to ensure the emotional and covenantal well-being of the congregation. They facilitate behavior that stays within our shared commitments to each other, and they also conduct assessments and offer advice to all the areas of ministry in the congregation. So together, these three entities held within that circle 
bolster in very practical ways all the other areas of ministry within the congregation. And this is what the model tries to get at. Everything we do here is a form of ministry, whether it's greeting or putting up the art show or teaching or advocating for justice. All the things that we choose to do here are in pursuit of our mission. All the things that we choose to do here should be expressions of our faith and our commitment. And these things are ours. They need to be. Ours to decide and ours to do. We are primarily a volunteer organization. And that means we need an empowered group of volunteers. You don't need me or the board or anyone else insisting that we must do particular things. There are some things we have to do. But for example, you don't need me saying up here, we have to have a group focused on gun control. What you need is the spaciousness of a democratic and mutually accountable model that says, if you're interested in doing something that aligns with our mission, if you're interested in working on gun control, awesome, do it. Here's the community within our community that can help support you, keep you accountable, offer reminders of our ultimate collective purpose. I have to tell you, I am as excited about this as I've ever been about any kind of change in a congregation I've been in. I have to be real. I'm aware, I really am, that change is hard, but I really believe, and so does the board that generated this, and so does the team that put the details into it, we believe that this model is going to retain all the best of the Unitarian Society of Ridgewood, but it will allow us, enable us, to really step into our future. A future that understands that many of the old ways of doing congregational life are changing whether we keep up with them or not. This model retains our sense of community. It keeps room for our thoughtful activities. It keeps our many opportunities for engagement. It retains our clarity of purpose. But this model brings out even more the gifts that we have to offer as individuals and as a community of communities. This will allow us to become more nimble, working and reworking our plans each year according to who is actually interested in doing what. This will help us become more democratic and thus more inclusive and more empowered in your work. This model helps create a broader group of engaged volunteers, centering the work and the mission and the covenant, not the individual. This model will support innovation and a culture of yes, and it will easily connect longtime members and brand new friends alike to the areas of work that they're actually passionate about. Put plainly, I truly believe this model moves us away from hierarchy toward lay empowerment. It is a nimble, welcoming, clear, and open model that centers our shared mission and covenant, centers our values and our vision our pinwheel with its six fins better shows the world not only what we do here, what we value as important work, but also who we are. We are a people who understand that the work within all of these areas is vital to making USR what it is and is vital to the pursuit of our self-proclaimed mission. We are a people who understand that volunteer work requires trust and empowerment, but also clarity and boundaries and purpose, so that everyone can participate. 
We are a people who understand that it is not just the work of the board or the minister to hold our community accountable to our mission and our covenant. It is the work of each and every one of us. We are a people who understand that although change can be hard, it is inevitable. And that when we choose to direct that change, envisioning boldly and carefully for the seasons to come, we can create cultures and systems that bring us closer to the world we want to live in. I know there are going to be questions. I know there's a lot of detail that you have yet to hear about this. And I promise again that there will be time to talk about all of it. As you have questions or comments, you can absolutely reach out to me, the board, the Circle Implementation team. All of us are here to talk this through and to help make it as clear as possible. But I also know that as we move into this, there will be kinks to work out, without a doubt. This model is actually a relatively bold change in our self-organizing. The flattened hierarchy will take some getting used to. Holding ourselves accountable to mission and covenant will take practice. And the culture shift implicit in all of this won't happen overnight. Change requires patience, grace, trust, humility. I believe we have those here. I have seen those here. I have faith that we can offer those to each other as we take the next steps toward this model, and we will need everyone. Good and healthy change asks that we all play a role. The process of moving toward this model will affirm our mutuality, just as the model affirms the integrity of the whole while valuing all of its parts. Ultimately, this change is about renewing our community of communities. It's about aligning our work, our self-description, and our system of organization to our shared values of justice and freedom and compassion and equity and love so that we can live together with depth and meaning and also with joy. I'm really excited. <laughs> I see so much possibility in this. And I hope and invite you to share in that excitement and possibility. May we step boldly into the future of our beloved shared community, aware that living our values deeply, not only in content, but also in form, will help us better create the world we long for. So may it be. Please remain standing and join in the words for extinguishing the chalice. They are projected. We extinguish this flame. burn bright in our hearts until we are together again. Change alone is unchanging. The same road goes both up and down. The beginning of a circle is also its end. Not I, but the world says all is one, and yet everything comes in season. As we step into our next season, may we do so with all those virtues we strive to embody each and every day. Patience, grace, kindness, and love. Go in peace.